Steve uh, had so many announcements, he forgot to dismiss students, so, but many of them are going. So students are welcome to go back uh, to their class while we stay in here and talk about money. So a few years ago when we moved here, someone introduced us to Bagel Train in Yardley. Anybody experienced Bagel Train? Okay, yeah, a couple of enthusiastic hands there. Okay, so since we ate at Bagel Train, there just aren't any other bagels. I mean, they're just amazing. And so we'll make many a Saturday morning run down there and get a baker's dozen and then bring them home. They're still warm and all that. Um, but there's, there's one, if there's a downside to Bagel Train, it is that it is cash only. And so there's been a number of times when I will go there. And mind you, I mean, I, we really try to live off cash, and we really try to spend cash for our groceries and all that kind of thing. But there, on a Saturday morning, sometimes I just don't check my wallet before I leave. And so I get there, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't have enough cash. And so there's been a couple of times where I'm going out to my car, and I'm scrounging through the quarters, you know, and, and trying to look under the seat. Do I have enough here that I don't have to run home? In fact, one time, uh, my wife was there picking up bagels, and she was a couple dollars short, and the guy was so nice, and he's like, ah, just pay it the next time you come in. And so, you know, little nice little small-town flavor here. But uh, many of you, not many of you, probably a few of you may remember when cash only was the norm. Uh, my parents grew up in the, in the Depression, and like they just didn't want to have anything to do with a credit card. And eventually they got one, but I don't think they ever used it. I'm not even sure why they, they got one. But so for many, many years, it was the case that you just paid cash for everything. And then in 1950, the Diners Club card came along. It was the first card that was accepted at multiple merchants. And so... That, that came along. There was a few merchants that used that. Then in 1958, American Express came along and Bank AmeriCard, which became what we know as Visa. And so everything began to change. And so cards started being accepted at more and more and more establishments. And then when you get to 1986, the Discover card was introduced, which I remember because I was just graduating from high school and just moving into college. And for the first time, like you could spend money and you would get money back. It was so awesome. It made you feel so, it makes us feel so much better, doesn't it? Now everybody does that because it's so popular. I mean, doesn't it make you feel better to spend money when you know I'm, I'm getting something back? So as a result of, of that, what's happened is a lot of people are carrying credit card debt. Because it's so easy to buy things with, with a card. But I, I want to just pull back the curtain a little bit and, and show you what's going on when you're using a credit card. What you're really paying for, for things, okay? So if you go out for dinner and you drop 30 bucks for a dinner... And if you have that on a card at 17%, which is the average interest rate for, for a card, if you pay the minimum on that, it's going to take you five years to pay that off. And by the end, you will have paid $45 for your dinner. I hope you really liked that dinner. I hope it was really good. Now, let's ratchet that up and look at some more significant numbers. If you have a $2,500 balance on your card and you pay the minimum, it will take you 13 years to pay that off. And when you have paid it off, you will have paid $5,500. So whatever vacation, whatever that was that you thought cost you 2,500 bucks, actually cost you 
$5,500. Now, some of you may be listening to all of this and you may be comforting yourselves and saying, well, I, I pay off my balance every month. So I'm not paying all of that awful interest, which is, that's a, that's a good thing if you're doing that. Or maybe you use a debit card, so that comes right out of your checking account, so there's no danger of having to pay any interest. Here's what you should know if you use plastic in, in that way. You should know that a lot of studies have been done to track how much more people spend when they're using plastic. And so Dun and Bradstreet, there's a lot of studies that have been done on this, but Dun and Bradstreet uh, found that people spend 12 to 18% more when they're using plastic, just because it's, it's easier to do. And McDonald's did a study, and they found, see, for a long time, I remember for a long time, McDonald's didn't take credit cards, but what they have found now is the average person using a credit card spends $7 on food versus four fifty if they're spending cash. That's 55% more just because it's so easy to use your plastic. So what that means, what that has resulted in is we have a lot of households in our country that are carrying a lot of debt. And the average, a lot of credit card debt, a lot, uh, the the average family who's carrying a a revolving uh, amount on their credit card is carrying $7,000 in credit card debt. And if you you play that out using those numbers that we had before, it, it accumulates to quite a bit. That's not even counting store cards. So if you throw in store credit cards, then we're talking $9,000 per, per family. What that leads to is a lot of stress. What that leads to is these clouds hanging over our head that say, I, I owe somebody something. I'm really not free to use my, my money because I'm obligated to pay pay this back. It, it leads to a lot of strained relationships. And it's, it's no surprise that, that money is one of the top issues of contention in marriages. And debt that's hanging over our head steals our peace. And so today what I want us to, to just talk about here for, for a few minutes is being honest about how much we owe. Being honest about how much debt we're carrying. And, and really, why do we get into that debt? And if you find yourself this morning, if you're already feeling, you're cringing a little bit, and you're like, man, why does he have to talk about those clouds hanging over my head? I don't want to think about that. If, you, if, if, if debt is stealing your peace, there is hope because God is able to, to help us get free from that. And so we're going to talk about how that works here this morning. If you would take a Bible and look at Proverbs Chapter 22, we're going we're gonna to camp on one verse here this morning, Proverbs 22, verse 7. So on page 606, if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of those on your seat. I'd love for you to have this in front of you so that you know I'm not making this stuff up. This is, this is straight out of Scripture that God has preserved for us. So we're in a series talking about finances. And, I, and as we started it two weeks ago, we said we, we want to pursue right living, not rich living. And then last week we talked about generosity, and we said that generosity is measured not by the size of a gift, but by the size of our sacrifice. And so today I want us to talk about what we owe. And, and as we've said before, this is a no guilt zone, okay? Guilt doesn't change anybody's heart, not interested in that. So, so don't, I, I hope that nothing I say today prompts guilt in you. What, what's so, what I'm so thankful for 
with God is that he meets us wherever we are, whatever kind of mess we're in, and he helps us to take steps forward in, in getting out of those messes. So there's a simple principle about debt here in Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Okay, just a comment here about Hebrew poetry. The Proverbs and the Psalms are Hebrew poetry. Our English poetry is often characterized by rhyming at the end of a line. Okay, not always, but oftentimes that's how we know we're, we're reading a poem. In Hebrew, it doesn't rhyme at the end of the line, and we wouldn't get that anyway because it's not in, in the Hebrew. But what characterizes Hebrew poetry is these couplets. You have two lines together that oftentimes are saying the same thing. Sometimes, as in this case, they're saying the same thing. Sometimes they're saying the opposite thing, and so they're contrasting. So we have two lines here that are saying the same thing, but they're just using different words and looking at it from a different perspective. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave of the lender. The point is that someone is in subjection to someone else. They are no longer free. They are now a, a slave. The, the borrower is slave of the lender. Slavery exists still in, in our world, and, and it gives me an opportunity to talk about the, the water wells that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. If you haven't been with us, if you're new uh, this morning, in December, we set a goal to raise funds. We, we said, let's, wouldn't it be cool if we could build two water wells somewhere in the world to help some communities? We actually raised enough money to, to do six water wells, and we found out that those water wells are going to be in Cambodia. And I want to... I mentioned last week that there's a big story, there's a backstory to to this situation that goes beyond even just the physical provision of water. And I want to share that with you this morning. I'm going to read just a paragraph from an email that we got from our contact at Samaritan's Purse. It says, the combination, this is the reason why this community needs a well. The combination of unreliable agriculture and the absence of local jobs continues to force up to 50% of the local adult populations in rural Bantier, Mianchi, to migrate to Thailand to look for work. So these are communities in Cambodia, but because there's not enough water in their community, they're being forced to migrate across the, the country line to Thailand, and, and it says this migration out of desperation results in unsafe migration that often leads to exploitation and trafficking, and families are left behind at home caring for the young with no reliable household income. So what's happening is these, these folks can't raise enough crops and they, they really don't have enough to live in their community because they don't have a, a reliable source of water all year round. So they're forced into this migration, and some of them are forced into trafficking and, and actually becoming enslaved. So good news for us. Praise the Lord that the funds that you so generously provided for this are actually freeing people from slavery. That's something we can praise the Lord for. The sobering thing, as we talk about slavery, is that there are people in this room who are enslaved because we have become slaves to a lender because we have borrowed. And here's the question when it comes to, to debt. Is it forced or is it chosen? 
So clearly in this situation in Cambodia, that is a forced kind of situation. These people are desperate. I mean, this is life and death. They've got to come up with some kind of solution for their issue. The question for us is, is our indebtedness, is our slavery to a lender, is that forced or is it something that we have chosen? Sometimes it feels like it's forced. I mean, sometimes we get into medical emergencies We have a job loss. We have something that happens that is unexpected, and it forces us. We're like, man, we got to put food on the table. We've got to pay our bills, and so we turn to a credit card for that, and so it feels like we're forced into that. I I think, though, that's probably the, the minority of the debt in our country. If we're honest with ourselves, most of the reason for what we owe and the debt that we owe is because we just lack self-discipline. Because I just, I want something. I want it now. I don't have the money for it, but I just, I gotta have it now. And so I'm willing to mortgage tomorrow for the sake of today. Here's a simple way to look at how, how this shakes out. Indulgence today leads to slavery. Restraint today leads to freedom. And so we should think about the fact that what's happening in the moment is, is very brief. So impulsive, if I'm going to be impulsive on a purchase that I don't really need, but I just feel like I have to have it now, I, I may get some satisfaction from that for a moment, but then the slavery lasts for a long time to get that paid off. Whereas if I If I exercise restraint in the moment and say, you know what, I'm not going to buy this today. I'm going to wait until I have the cash to buy this. That leads to freedom in the long term. The freedom and the slavery are a lot longer than what we get in in just the the moment. There is such a thing, I I don't know if you've, we, we don't talk about this very much anymore. We don't hear much about it. There's such a thing as delayed gratification. Okay, we want instant gratification. We want to have it right now, whether I have the funds for it or not. There is such a thing as delayed gratification, looking forward to, okay, I'm going to get to purchase this when I have the money for it. And then you get both the gratification and the freedom of not living, over a, a cloud, not living under a cloud of debt. So I want, to propose, I want to propose three questions for you to ask yourselves. Okay, and again, this is a no guilt zone, okay? This is not about trying to make you feel bad about your situation. This is really encouraging you to take the opportunity this morning just to be honest with yourself and then inviting God into that situation to to help lead you to freedom. The first question uh, is this, am I planning ahead and saving? In, in my whole financial situation, in my picture, do I have enough margin? Am I keeping enough margin to save and plan ahead? Remember the emergencies that we talked about? Okay, everything that, that happens, we can actually plan ahead for. A job loss, a major repair. So I, I realize uh, appliance breaks and we have to buy a new one. That, that costs a lot. Car breaks, that's expensive. Furnace breaks. I mean, these are major issues. Here's, here, this, I, I'm going to say something. This may be the biggest thing that you take away, most important thing that you take away here this morning. Okay, listen very carefully. Everything breaks. Okay, everything will break. And so we should plan ahead for those things. But it's not a surprise when your car breaks down. It's going to break someday. And so 
to, to get to that point and we've used up all of our funds and we don't have any margin, we don't have any savings for that. That's a, that is a choice that we've made somewhere back here by being too impulsive and not creating any, any margin. So we have to ask ourselves, are we planning ahead? There's another proverb. Uh, Proverbs 21 says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. A foolish man devours everything he has. Money burns a hole in their pocket. A wise man, there's going to be precious treasure and oil stored in their house. Notice it doesn't say precious treasure and oil are stored in a rich man's house. It may not be a ton of it, but a wise man puts it away and stores it for the future and the things that they know are going to happen. Second question, am I spending on needs or wants? Okay, that's, this is where the rubber really meets the road and it's, it's kind of hard to be honest. I mean, the, the, the list of our needs is actually very short. We, we saw a list of needs a couple of weeks ago in the passage we were in in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul said, if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. I mean, the list of our actual needs is pretty short. We would, we would want to add to that shelter. I mean, the culture that we live in, transportation. I mean, we, we've got to have some way to get around. So there, there are a few things on the list of needs. But if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of the things that we spend for and sometimes spend to go into debt for are not really needs. They're really things that we want. Third question, am I asking God to provide? When I get into situations that are over my head, let's just say you have been responsible, you have saved, you've put money away, but you still get into a situation where it's just, it's just too much for you. Have you given a chance for your brothers and sisters in this family of faith to help you? Some of you have had the opportunity to help someone else, and you know what a blessing it is to you, but sometimes we're, too, we're just honestly too proud. We're too proud because we, we want to provide for myself and I get into a situation and I just, I'm going to dig myself out of it. And I'm, so I'm going to reach for my card. I'm going to just pay for this with my card. That kind of, to some extent, keeps us in control. I don't have to tell anybody else about it. I don't have to rely on anybody else. I'll just control this. I'll just pay for it with my card. The problem is we're really still not in control, right? Because we're becoming a slave then to the lender. And it's an opportunity when we have a need, to let those around us know about that need and, and help us. The picture that we have in the New Testament of, of the early church is that people would, would gather together and they would support each other when they had a need. They would sell things and they would, they would help each other out, some, someone who was in need. That's what we, we dream of for our, our groups. So as we talk about group signups here this morning, many of you are already in groups. Some of you are new to Grace Point, haven't gotten into a group yet. What we dream of here is that we have groups of people who know each other well, care about each other's needs, pray for each other's needs. And in some situations like this, when there's a financial need that we might even share that with, another, with, with others to help meet that need. I know that takes a lot of courage. I know we have, to, we have to swallow some pride, but maybe if you're in a situation like that, you go privately to your group leader and just let them know what's going on. It could even be a need that's shared kind of anonymously with your group, but, but I think it's even better when we muster the courage to share it with one another because then we get to know who we're helping and pray for them and come alongside of them because 
it, it could very well happen that there's going to come another day where they need help, where, where, where I need help, and I need, they can help me. That's what we talked about last week as we were talking about the church in Macedonia, and Paul was talking to the Corinthians. He said, as a matter of fairness, at this time to the Corinthians, he said, your abundance right now should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. This is a way we can work together, support each, each other. I, there's a situation going on right now in our country, and I know it's affecting some of you who work in government jobs. I mean, we've got this government shutdown thing. We've got paychecks being frozen. There are some of you who are being impacted by that because you're, you're missing a paycheck. We, as a church, we, we maintain a fellowship fund that, that many of you give to very generously. Our fellowship fund right now is very healthy. And so we want you to know if you're in a situation where, where things are very tight because of what's going on in our government, would you please let us know, let, let Chuck, as our pastor of, of congregational care know, let one of us as pastors know, we would love to be able to come alongside of you, help pay a utility bill, help do something to help get you through this situation. That's what we're here for is to, to help, help each other. So, so that's the, that's the third question. Um, I didn't, I didn't share this verse, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, with your whole heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. Sometimes when we pull out the card to pay for our needs and we don't ask God, what do you, how do you want to meet this need? We're not giving God a chance. We're not trusting in him. We're, we're just leaning on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight our paths. I want to give you three tools here, just very, very practically. Um, uh, one tool for those who are in debt to get out of debt, and then two tools to stay out of debt. So the first tool to, to get out of debt is something called the, the debt snowball. And so here's how this works. You would, you would list all of your debts from smallest to largest, not, not interest rate, but how much is the actual debt. So just list out all of your debts and what the minimum payment is. So make minimum payments on all of your debts except the, the first one, the smallest one. And for that one, you want to put as much as you can towards paying that off as fast as you can. You want to put extra towards that. So find something somewhere, pick up a little extra income, uh, somehow get creative, sell some stuff from, from your house, um, cut back somewhere else in your, your budget. You do have a budget, don't you? Cut back somewhere in your budget and put more towards that first debt until it's paid off. Then you take everything that you were paying on that first debt, add it to the minimum payment for your second debt, and now you're paying extra towards that second debt until that is paid off. And you keep doing that until they're all paid off. My wife and I did this a number of years ago. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. There's this huge sense of accomplishment as you get that debt snowball run, rolling. I'm so glad we're talking about snowballs and not experiencing snowballs today. But you know how a snowball works. If you start it at the top of a hill and it starts going down, it's picking up more snow as it goes. It's picking up momentum and going. That's the idea of a debt snowball to get out of debt. Two tools to help you stay out of debt. The first is very simply just to delay your purchases. So, so as opposed to impulse buying, there was a study done that said 75% of Americans have at some point made an impulse purchase. 50% of those people 
regret it the next day. Buyer's remorse. So impulse buy, stop the impulse buying by saying, you know what, I see this. I wasn't planning on making this purchase. I'm going to give it 24 hours. I'm going to see how, what I think about this tomorrow. It'll still be there. And if it's not there, if a salesman is trying to push it on you because we only got this deal today, then you run away from those things because they want you to buy it more than you really need it. If it's a big purchase, take a week and, and think about it and see, do I really, this is talking about even if you're spending cash for it, I mean, give it consideration. Do I really need this? So delay your purchases. Another tool you can use in doing this or considering this, is um, it's very easy to Google debt calculator and just bookmark a debt calculator on your phone. So if you're buying something and you don't have the cash for it right then, plug it into your debt calculator, find out what you're really going to pay for it over the course of time, not just what it seems to be in in the short term, because as we see, that, that can add up. The other tool that, that we can use to, to stay out of debt is cash envelopes. And just to pay cash for things instead of using your card. So my wife and I have been doing this for a number of years. This is not our actual cash envelopes because I didn't want people coming up here and mugging me after this service. But um, you just get an accordion file or just have a bunch of envelopes and you just mark what they're for. Okay, this is for gas. This is for, you know, groceries. This is for medical. This is for haircuts, whatever it is. And then we have our budget, our financial plan, and every paycheck. Then we pull out so much cash and we put it into our folder and then we pull that out when it's time to go make purchases and if it's gone if it's empty and there's nothing in there then we have to choose are we going to go to another envelope and take from that can we afford to do that or we just wait you just wait until the next time that we get to put some cash in there what what this does if you if you commit to doing cash is it it reintroduces a little bit of pain that happens when we're when we're using cash that is a lot this is a lot of work to do it this way it's much more work but that's that's the point Uh, psychology today actually did a study on this and what they found is they, they discovered something they named something called coupling and they said when we pay cash for something the the act of paying that cash and parting with that cash is coupled with an emotion of pain There's a little bit of pain there when you're parting from your cash. When we use plastic, we have we are decoupling. There's no pain involved in the cash because it's not going to happen until later. So here's what I want to encourage you to do: get some envelopes and reintroduce the pain. Because when you reintroduce the pain in the present, it frees you in the long term. Because because impulsivity, impulsiveness leads to slavery. Restraint leads to freedom. If you're uh, you're married, uh, it's so important that you be on the same page with these things that we're, we're talking about. So last week we talked about giving. It's very important to be on the same page with giving. It's very important to be on the same page with how you spend and, and your debt. And so I'm giving you an on-ramp. If, you are, if you're married, I'm giving you an easy on-ramp here. There's no reason for you not to talk about this in the coming week. Wherever you're at with this, let's just have a conversation and let's just talk about how are we doing specifically with our debt? How are we doing with our spending? Would we consider going for a cash-only kind of thing. If you're really in deep and you're, you're really in a lot of pain because of this and you've got a huge cloud over your head, 
We have another resource to help you. We have actually financial counselors here, volunteers who are here part of our church, but who are, are really skilled in helping to walk you through looking at your situation and saying, well, what steps can we take to help you improve your, your situation, increase that margin, increase your, your freedom. If, if you're interested in that, yeah, email care at gracepointpa.org and we will help connect you with one of those, those counselors. There's a character quality that you and I will need if we are going to exercise restraint. And that character quality is self-control. And the good news is that God provides self-control for us. This is the irony. God provides self-control, something that we need to be exercising, but he helps us and boosts us in that. We find this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of God's spirit living in us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you have a history of being impulsive, and if you find it very difficult to restrain yourself, and if maybe you've tried some different things to get this under control in the past, maybe you've been trying it on your own. And here's what's true today, and here's what's true every Sunday as we talk about different areas of our lives. We can't do this on our own. And God doesn't intend us to do it on our own. When Christ, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he gives us power. We sang about this. I have resurrection power living on the inside. That doesn't come from ourselves. That comes from Jesus living in us. And so if you're here this morning and you've never made the decision to trust and follow Jesus, that's your most important decision. And then after that, you can decide to get out of debt and Jesus will walk with you through that and help give you and create in you that self-control. So we'd love to talk with you about that after the service if you haven't made that decision and talk. Uh, about how that, that works. So being impulsive leads to slavery. Being, uh, showing restraint uh, leads to freedom. Indulgence leads to slavery. And restraint leads to freedom. What would it look like in your life if you were free? What, what would it look like if you were not a slave to a lender and you had full control to make decisions over your money? How much could you save? How much could you give? How, how many times have you heard someone express a need or you've heard something, I wish I could give to that, but I can't because I made a choice back here that has me all bound up today. What would it look like for you to get free? I guarantee you will have a choice, maybe not in the next 24 hours, but I guarantee you sometime in the next week, you will have a choice and an opportunity to develop restraint and self-control that can lead to freedom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us strength, not leaving us on our own to try to dig ourselves out of the problems that we get into, but thank you that you meet us where we are and you are willing to give us the strength and the power to move forward. Thank you, Jesus, for setting us free as we have sung in so many songs here this morning. We, we are no longer slaves to fear or to sin or to the fear of, of the future apart from you, because of what you have done for us, Jesus, we are free. And we want to walk in that freedom. We want to experience that freedom in our finances. So, Lord, help us to exercise restraint today so we can experience freedom tomorrow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.